0: of Mom Media Network.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our show. We're an open book. My name is Chris McMurray.
2: And I'm Gene McMurray.
1: He's my husband. He'll be behind the scenes making sure everything is running smoothly.
2: I'm still going to add my two cents, though. (laughs) I hope so.
1: On this show, we discuss those difficult situations that a lot of families go through, but are often not talked about. Here we will, because like we said, we're an open book. In our relationship, we've dealt with marriage, divorce, remarriage to each other, addiction, sobriety, losing a business because of injury, and the ultimate sorrow of losing our son.
2: Wow, it's hard to believe that we went through all of that, but we're still here.
1: Still standing.
2: Hey, Our second episode is up. We now have two in the can.
1: In the can. That is showbiz talk, folks.
2: How do you think we're doing so far?
1: So far, so good. We talked about a lot in our first episode. We did. We discussed how our book, Live, Laugh, Fly, came about after the illness and passing of our son, Scott, and how the book was a result of a chance meeting I had with the lady on the plane.
2: Well, that meeting sure changed a lot in our lives. It did. We told you in our first episode, a little bit about ourselves and what brought us to this podcast. We really enjoyed doing that first show, but had no idea how it would be received. But people were listening.
1: They were. We're so surprised and thrilled at the responses we got from our first show. So much of what we talked about resonated, and we got some really thoughtful feedback.
2: What listeners identified with the most was how uncomfortable and awkward grief can be. People don't know what grief is all about until they're right in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a learn-as-you-go process. So there's going to be a lot of missteps.
2: We think that by talking about those awkward situations that arise, we can help those who are grieving and those who are supporting them to move forward in a more compassionate and understanding way.
1: We realize that it's hard for everyone involved. Everybody has lost someone that they love, a parent, a child, a sibling, some other relative or close friend. And like us, they're trying to navigate their new life.
2: So today, we would like to discuss some of the difficulties and strategies to deal with grief. Today's excerpt from our book is very brief, but it describes so well what profound grief feels like. Chris, why don't you go?
1: Yes. Do you know what grief feels like? It's like a thousand pounds pressing on your shoulders and every inch of you from the top of your head to your toes is throbbing in pain. And you don't think this feeling will ever go away.
2: What a great description. It's not just emotional pain.
1: No, 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 no. I expected the emotional pain of grief. I was not expecting the physical pain. So that's why I wanna talk about grief waves or grief bursts as they're called. And I would describe them as a severe panic attack combined with hysterical crying. And in the beginning, they come many times a day. You just don't know when and anything can bring them on. A memory, a song, the silence and the realization that Scott was gone. And I remember a couple of times being in our bedroom And I would hear from outside a car door slamming. And my first thought was, Scott's home. And I would run to the window and I would look to see him walking up the stairs, but of course he's not coming up the stairs. And I would have to say out loud and as the grief wave is coming and my body is shaking, I would have to say out loud so that maybe then I could understand it was that Scott's dead, he's dead, he's not coming back. And it was just so painful. And those grief bursts made me isolate a lot. I couldn't drive by myself. I couldn't leave the house by myself. I couldn't even go for a walk by myself because I wanted to avoid a breakdown in public.
2: Boy, those early days are tough. Here is another example of how grief blindsided us early on.
1: We're going to talk about the play, aren't we?
2: Yes, we are. And you know why? Because we're an open book. (laughs) Because we're an open book. Exactly. Well, it kind of went like this. Um, We just wanted to get out and have a day where everything seemed normal again. Yeah, we
1: wanted to be the old christened.
2: We wanted to be the old folks that we were. And um, so what we decided to do was go down to the city and see a show just the two of us
1: because we used to love doing that
2: we got on the train and we went down to new york and we went to the ticket booth and we're looking to see what what shows are available and we decided on jesus christ superstar
1: Yeah, in hindsight that wasn't a good decision
2: It, it probably wasn't but i loved the music and i had never seen the show and it's something i always wanted to see.
1: but also i think with grief and some of the the denial we didn't think things through with that show because we all know how that story goes right so let
2: let me set the scene for you a little bit um there's an iconic scene in um superstar where mary magdalene is sitting at the foot of the cross with the dead body of jesus in her arms and she's singing i don't know how to love you
1: yeah and that the scene before that was Jesus's mother Mary screaming through a gate and seeing her son being died on the cross. And all I remember happening was my entire body starting to shake. And I, can't, I wanted to get up to leave, but I couldn't move. I, I knew I wouldn't be able to move. And I'm in a public place, so I don't wanna be sobbing hysterical So I'm trying to suppress the sobs as my body is shaking. And all I can think of is just breathe, breathe, breathe. It was so hard that show.
2: That was one of the um, more difficult grief births that we went through. Yeah. So what we learned, and I guess the lesson from that episode or that incident was that we've got to pick and choose our spots a little more carefully.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I do also remember afterwards, I still couldn't get up to leave when the show was over, so we did wait for everybody to leave, and then you threw your jacket on me, you threw your hat on me and guided me out, and then we made our way to a bakery. We
2: made our way to a bakery and drowned our sorrows in cupcakes. Because that's
1: how the McMurrays are all in cupcakes.
2: Okay, now that we've learned somehow to be a little more careful, And identify the triggers a little better.
1: Well, also, I want to say that sometimes in movies, we had to learn this also, that sometimes in movies, there are subplots. And you may think you're going to see something, but there could be another little subplot of somebody dying or sick, and that could trigger you. So you need to really do some research.
2: So how do you deal with the triggers?
1: Well, I would just have to breathe through the wave. And then you learn each time to recognize those triggers. We tended to avoid the crowds and gatherings where we're not sure who would be there. And also physical activities, walks and bike rides, that helped. And we kept an extra eye on each other, too, and always check in to see how we're doing.
2: And I guess the reason we we avoided gatherings where people we didn't know, Mm -hmm. because you never know what questions they're going to ask. Exactly, exactly. So, of course, grief counseling is also helpful.
1: Oh, definitely.
2: Our counsel became so important to us. In fact, we still keep in touch with them. It's 10 years later.
1: I know. I know. Over time, the waves do become less frequent and severe.
2: I guess that's because that time is the great healer. Nothing heals better than time.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And the second year had different challenges because the shock and the numbness were gone. And now our new life was here.
2: So grief never really goes away completely. No. This is a good time to talk about our daughter, Kim, who had her own grief journey after losing her brother.
1: Yeah, she spent so much time with us while Scott was sick, but very shortly after the memorial, she had to resume her own life in Philadelphia. She was nervous about being out there on her own, but she had to go, and I think she was really nervous about leaving us.
2: Yeah, she didn't want to leave, but she had to. She had to get on with her life. Right. You know, thankfully, though, she had understanding and supportive friends they knew when to be there for her, but also knew when to give her space. And I guess that's a lesson that we really needed to learn. She was her only child now, so naturally became really protective and at times overbearing. We
1: definitely were, I know I was. I had panic attacks if a call went unreturned, or if I didn't hear from her for a couple of days, I was so worried that something was happening to her. So we had to force ourselves to back off and let her figure out her own path. And also reassuring her that we're here for her.
2: Right, Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes we still struggle when we haven't heard from her in a couple of days. I
1: know, but we're learning. We're
2: learning, we're doing better. <laughs> she tells us. She tells us. <laughs> Now, you know, I want to tell you a little bit about my um, experience with grief. It was a little different than yours, but in many ways, very similar. You know, I always, I was sad when Scott was gone for sure, but for some reason, I was able to go through it on a little bit more even keel. Mm -hmm. But suddenly, just like you, out of nowhere, I would be hit by one of those waves or bursts, however, whatever we want to call them. And I would suddenly go back to the moments or the hours before he passed yeah. and realize the difference in how much that moment just changed our life. Yeah. It would come over me in a second. It wouldn't last that long, but it was there. And it would, it would dissipate fairly quickly. And maybe that's because my denial mechanism kicked in that I learned a long time ago.
1: Where do you think that denial came from?
2: Well, I mentioned in the first episode that I lost my father when I was 11. I had no idea how to deal with my loss then and my eventual grief, I was totally unprepared. And the people around me didn't know how to deal with it either. So I was alone a lot.
1: Yeah, did you know that your dad was sick and dying?
2: Sort of, I could see that he was really sick. He was in bed a lot and a lot of visits to the hospital. So I knew something was terribly wrong, but I was kept at arm's length. It was the 1960s. I was 11. I knew not to ask questions, and I stayed out of the way. It was a frightening time.
1: That's true, and that sounds like denial to me.
2: It was for sure. You know, let me tell you one other quick story. It was a week before he died, and he had entered the hospital for the last time. He wasn't getting out. And because I was only 11, I wasn't old enough to go into and for visiting hours. We're not going to break those rules. No, that's for sure. And um, my my sister and I had to stay out in the parking lot. And the last time I saw my dad alive was him waving out the hospital window at us.
1: I know that is so sad that you couldn't see him. But I am glad that you have a last memory of him waving to you.
2: Yeah, I guess that's something.
1: And how did you handle his death?
2: Not very well in hindsight. I remember not crying the morning my mom told me that he had passed. What really set me off was when I realized that I would have to go to the wake. That's when I really lost it. I was terrified of that. And that's when I broke down. I didn't want to see him laying dead in a casket. Of
1: course not.
2: Did you go to it? Well, I did and I didn't. I went to the funeral home but I waited out in the lobby. I didn't go into the viewing room. And as relatives and friends filed in and out, they would hug me and offer their condolences, but I had no idea how to respond to them.
1: Yeah. What was your life like without your father?
2: Well, more denial. We didn't talk about him in the house for a long time. It was really weird. Now you have a friend that went through something similar, right?
1: I do. She was also 11 when her mother died. And also, like you, nobody really explained her illness and what death actually was. So it was hard for her to understand that she was gone forever. She remembers saying to her older sister, moms don't die. She was just so heartbroken and confused.
2: Your friend and I found ourselves in a whole new reality that we had no idea how to deal with.
1: So there must be a better way for a child to deal with the death of a parent. What do you think would have worked better for you?
2: To include us in the conversations, don't protect kids so much from the reality of sickness and death. That's life. It happens to everybody. Tell us the truth that our life will be changed. Do
1: you think kids don't want to bother their parents with their own grief?
2: Absolutely. That was the case for me. I know that my mom was carrying a heavy load and I didn't think she'd need to carry mine as well. But if kids need a safe place to talk about the emotional trauma they're going through, it just can't be ignored.
1: No, but how should a child move forward in months and years after the loss of a parent?
2: I think just like anybody should. The most important thing is get past the denial. It's important to keep their deceased parents or anyone's memory alive. Tell stories, have pictures around the house, remember their birthdays. Feel sad, on, feel sad on anniversaries or away whenever you need to. But most importantly, tell each other how much you miss that loved one who is gone. Communication is so important.
1: Well, this advice is good for everybody who is I, grieving.
2: Absolutely.
1: And sometimes the grief is so big that professional counseling is a good option. Hey, we
2: had our counselor that we used a lot.
1: I was with him for probably close to a year. Yeah, a
2: little longer than I was. Yeah.
1: Another listener reached out with her grief story. She's a woman in her 60s who recently lost her 91-year-old mother after a lengthy illness, and she's devastated.
2: Isn't her dad still alive?
1: Yeah, they were married for 72 years. So not only is she dealing with her loss, but also she's so concerned for her father who just lost his wife.
2: When somebody looks at that death from a distance, a lot of times the reaction is, Hey, she was 91. It was her time. She had a good life.
1: Our listener said she heard all that and finds that attitude dismissive. She wants people to know that age does not matter. Her mother died and she's heartbroken.
2: It sounds like she's saying you can never fully prepare for anyone's death, especially a loved one, no matter how old or sick they are.
1: I think that's her exact
2: point. Well, so far we've talked about losing parents. From the perspective of a child and adult, we've talked about our loss a little bit. That's
1: right. We also heard from two women who lost their husbands. One was married for 50 years and another who was married for a year and a half, and their stories are similar.
2: When we get married, we we believe it'll be forever. We make plans and we have dreams for a lifetime together. Sadly, it doesn't always work out that way.
1: That's true. One woman I spoke with was a widow at 20 years old after the sudden death of her husband in an accident. Her future was torn away in an instant and replaced with shock and devastation.
2: All her plans were changed in a moment.
1: In a moment, she felt like she lost her identity. She was not a wife anymore. Who is she now? It was something she had to figure out on her own.
2: Didn't she also mention that things were said to her that were not really helpful?
1: Yeah, she said the phrase, you're handling this a lot better than I thought, was difficult to hear. It's impossible for anyone to understand what the grieving person is going through.
2: Sometimes we put up that brave front, but are a mess underneath the surface.
1: A lot of times we put up Yeah, a, a lot brave
2: of times. Front. Hey, we were also contacted by a woman who lost her husband after a 50-year marriage. She had very similar, similar emotions to our first friend. She also questioned her identity. The life she had settled into for so long was gone. Both of these women had to somehow pick up the pieces and find a new normal.
1: What we've learned is that everyone grieves in a different way, and there is no wrong way. Whatever gets you through.
2: We have talked about ourselves and how a number of other folks have dealt with their losses, how they felt, and some of the challenges they faced.
1: I think an important piece of this conversation must be how best to support someone who has recently lost a loved
2: one. We claim no expertise on the subject. All we can do is relate some of the things that were said to us that did not sit so well. We will try to explain why. We understand that many of these things are said with the absolute best of intentions, but could be hurtful to the grieving mind.
1: For instance, after Scott passed, we were often asked if we had other children. I wondered why did that make a difference? It doesn't. It almost implies that if you have others, you won't miss that one so much.
2: You know, we've been in touch with so many families that have lost children And almost every single time we hear hear that they were asked that question often.
1: Yeah, it's How
2: about this comment? If it was me, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning. You're doing so well. Does that mean that somehow you loved your child more than I do?
1: Yeah, I know they don't mean it. It's just that we're in so much pain and we hear things differently. Here are a few more comments that we would have rather not heard. God does not give you more than you can handle. He's in a better place. God needed another angel. At least he's not in pain anymore.
2: And I often wondered how everybody knew what God was thinking so well.
1: Yes, I know. But I think that'll be another show. That's another
2: show altogether. (laughs) Here's another thing. when With a newly grieving parent, try not to go on about how you are going to miss your child when they're heading off to college or to camp. Happily, they'll be back for Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, we had to learn to stay off of Facebook and social media certain months of the year.
2: Exactly. And there were times that Scott passed away in April. So yeah. Mother's Day and Father's Day weren't too far off. No. So a lot of those f- festivities we had to avoid, Absolutely. especially those first couple of years.
1: Absolutely. Don't put a time frame on grief. Never suggest that it's time to move on. And if someone is not ready to attend a family gathering or other social event, do not pressure them to do so. They will go when they're ready and they don't need guilt on top of their grief.
2: Don't need guilt. And advice is not always a comfort. Maybe don't offer it unless somebody asks you for it.
1: Oh, absolutely. The only time that I think you can give advice is if you have had that same loss. Right. Right. So now that we've vented a bit about what rubs us the wrong way, let us tell you about what's helpful and what we were grateful for. And there was a lot.
2: One of the most important things is to be there. Be present as a friend. We would rather hear you say you are comfortable than to avoid us. Please say the name of the person who has passed. Acknowledge how much they are missed. Share a memory. Remember anniversaries or a birthday with a phone call or a note. That goes so far.
1: It does. And I remember just randomly getting texts from people just saying, I'm thinking of you. And that always made me feel better.
2: So we're getting close to the end of this episode. Yeah. How do you feel as we put this episode together?
1: This was a tough one. This was a difficult episode to share because reliving those early days of grief is hard. Memories and feelings come rushing back even after 10 years.
2: At times, the pain of loss is held at bay. But at other times, it feels like it's brand new all over again. Yeah. But we did did find a way to start living life again. But the new normal is really different.
1: Well, different is not bad. It's just different. In time, the weight of grief becomes bearable. We began to have more gratitude than sorrow. We remembered the things that gave us purpose and joy. And eventually we found ourselves laughing again and making plans for a future.
2: It doesn't happen overnight though. We understand that our path and that everyone else has their own. Yeah. We by no means have all the answers. Nope. We just share our story because we hope that somehow Somewhere, somebody relates to it and can draw some comfort from it. I hope so. I do have a Scott story. Oh, yeah. We all, I love a good Scott story. I
1: love a Scott story. Okay. So this was after he was re diagnosed and he knew that he was going to die. And many times we would have talks and he would tell me about how I'm supposed to carry on after he has passed. So one night we were talking and he says to me, mom, I worry about you the most. I worry about you the most. And I nodded because I know he did. And he said, I want you to promise me something. Promise me that you're only going to be sad for three days. That's it, mom, just three days. And I remember I looked at him like he had two heads and I said, Scott, i can't promise you that i can't promise you that i I think i mourned a pet gerbil for longer than three days but what i will do what i will promise you is that every day i will try i will try every day to be okay and he smiled and he nodded he knew and i am proud and i am grateful to be able to say that i have kept that promise and i try every day
2: you try you do your best every day and it's amazing that he was thinking about you when he was going through so much right he enough. was thinking about all of us,
1: all of us. when all he was going
2: through so much that's yeah. a great story so um one more time before we go oh let me just say one other thing before we go yeah we got so many great responses we did from the last episode yeah and uh, there's a place at the bottom um in the um, to leave a comment we would love you to leave a comment and tell, you, tell us what you think, or maybe have something that might add to the show for next time that we might be able to bring up and discuss. That's right. That would be really great. So in closing, one more time, um, don't we show us the book.
1: Live, Laugh, Fly, and it's available on Amazon and 100% of proceeds will benefit children's cancer programs.
2: 100%. Well, thanks everybody for joining us another week. We look forward to see you again.
1: Thank you for listening. Remember, (laughs) love never dies. Love
2: never dies. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone.
1: She
0: She is sure. She is strong. She is is strong